All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 266 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano.ca. I'm Jason Greger. Be sure to uh, stay in the game at Botano.ca. It's the uh, the weekend of nine. Uh, nine games on tap uh, Friday, nine on Saturday, and nine on Sunday. And of course, uh, if you're in fantasy football, uh, you'll be watching closely a big weekend of the National Football League tomorrow and Sunday that uh, could all not only help you uh, in the pocket, but could you have winning your fantasy league? So stay in the game at Botano.ca as we welcome into the program in our final pod of 2023, Frank Saravalli. Frankie, how you doing? Pretty good, Jay. How are you? How was Christmas? Yeah, are, you the, are you at the cabin? Are you at the lake? Where are you? Yeah, I'm at the beach. Uh, snuck down here for a couple of days during the break and nice to get away for a bit. Nice to hang with the kids. Nice. How was Christmas? Christmas was good. Nice and quiet. I mean, mayhem with the kids in the sense that they're so excited and they're bouncing off the walls. But I thought uh, for the most part, nice to just relax. The trade freeze helps put the phone down a bit. No, th- no games for three days. Always kind of nice. I saw a lot of people talking over the holiday break about how look at the NFL, look at the NBA. Why doesn't the NHL play? First off, they'd get crushed in the ratings. Second, I like that they're more traditional. I really do. And not just for selfish reasons. Yes. No, I I think it's great. Like you can have some time off. Uh, It's a little bit of a a recharge for some players and, you know, fans alike. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of watching like great that the NBA has a game. Uh, The NFL just, you know, it it happened to be because of the timeline of, of, but if Christmas is on a Wednesday, they don't play in the NFL. So let's, let's be honest here. The NFL only happens on the time when it's, you know, convenient to their schedule. Right. Yeah. And, and look, 
I think media is always so quick to point out, hey, look, look, especially if for whatever reason in hockey media, hey, look, I'm working. It's the holidays. And it's like you don't see the person that works at the gas station or Starbucks or wherever else say that. So why like why do we feel the need in media to point that out? I'm not entirely sure why. If there were games, it would be a privilege to work. That's the truth. Yeah. And uh, so hopefully I don't think the NHL and the NHLPA is ever going anywhere. You know, they've actually lengthened the break, Frank, because remember, there used to be games on Boxing Day. And so uh, they've changed that. So I think it's a it's a good thing. And, you know, if you need your hockey fix, the World Juniors is going on. You can get your games there. I also like that it's Boxing Day is exclusively World Junior. Yep. Kind of like it. So I have no problem with it. And, uh, you know, Canada, U.S., uh, Sweden. All have looked good at the uh, at the World Juniors. Could see, uh, you know, always root for a Canada US game. There's always a little extra juice in that. And if you get Finland and Sweden in a meaningful game, that would be the ideal uh, playoff one. Hey, don't sleep on Slovakia three yeah, three and yeah. zero in the tournament with four power. Oh, they look goals. good. Yeah, yeah, no, they look really good actually. So it's it's nice to see. Um, lots going on in the in the NHL. You know, they get back. There's lots of games, and you know the playoff races are still very tight. Not much has changed in the West. They're still, you know, I, I keep reading people projecting 95 points. I'm like eighth place is in, is on pace for 89 and ninth place is 89 and 10th place is 89. Like it's, you know, you might get 95, but I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to need 95 to get in this year. You would need all these teams to go on a real good heater at the same time. I think you're going to need still close to 93 or four. Yeah, because maybe. one of those teams is going to break away from the pack, I would think, and that they're going to be the team that ends up setting the bar. Yeah, I still look at it. I look, you can say that way. Or I'm like, hey, if the ninth place team only has 89 points, you only really needed 90 points to get in, right? Right. That's the way I always look at it. Yeah, so. no, that's, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think heading into 2024, the team that I'm most concerned about has got to be the Devils. I, I understand that their goaltending's been no good. You see the cracks in that with Akira Schmid being sent down right after the holiday break. But for me, I, I just don't know that we've talked enough about how big and seismic the changes have been on their defense core over the last calendar year to really withstand. You you talked a, a bunch about the youth on their blue line. It, it's not even the youth. It's It's also just really talented players that you're subbing out. I mean, consider the guys that aren't back or at least are hurt right now. You've got uh, Dougie Hamilton likely out for the rest of the season with a torn pec muscle. You said goodbye to Damon Severson in the summer and Ryan Graves. I mean, those are three pretty big defensemen to, to pick off of a team. It's if you've been listening to the pod, you've been hearing me say all year how big the changes were on defense. When you sub in three defensemen like the Vancouver Canucks did, look at the success they've had. You take three pieces off of the New Jersey Devils blue line, and I don't care how talented you know we think you know the Hughes brother is and and the rest of the group. Like they're coming, they'll get there eventually, but they're not there right now. And I see that as a pretty significant impediment for this team to really make up the difference that they need to in, in, in the East. It's, I think they're staring down. Look, are they that far out? No, uh, just a couple points, but I, I think they've got a pretty big mountain to climb to even be close to the contender category. 
Well, contender for sure. And that's why I didn't have them at the start of the year as a contender because their defense, um, since December 1st, they, they do have the, the eighth best points percentage, despite being minus four and goals for against. Right? So they got blown out a few times, but, um, I still think Washington, you know, their coach admitted it, like they can't score. So I still think, but you know, you're battling Pittsburgh, you're battling Tampa as well to catch Washington. Right. I think the real question will be the Islanders and the Flyers. And it's funny when I say that New Jersey has the eighth best uh, points percentage since December 1st, the Flyers are tied for the best. The, uh, the Islanders are fifth and the Rangers are seventh. So all teams in their own uh, in their own division. So, you know, the Flyers and, and the Islanders, really, Frank, I think it comes down to can New, like, are, are either one of them going to falter to allow New Jersey to catch her? Because I think, you know, Washington, we all I think most of us would agree is, is likely to falter. But that only leaves one spot for New Jersey, Tampa, and Pittsburgh. And I really think it comes down to the Flyers and the Islanders and, you know, where you're at with them. The New Jersey's what? Uh, three back of the Islanders with the game in hand. And they are uh, four back of, uh, of Philly with one game in hand as well. So it's not super far. I think it's more so like, are you a believer? You're in Philly. You see the Flyers lots. Like, are you a believer in this team? I actually am. The longer this goes on, the more... They've reeled off points in 11 of their last 12. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. I mean, it's it's defied expectations. It's defied logic at times. I think it's proof that consistency and compete are really paramount to success in this league. Like talent, you can't win enough on talent alone. I just think the tough part for me is envisioning what happens next. Like, I, I I don't I don't think they're gonna go. I I can't imagine they're gonna go out of their way to add to this team. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but maybe they're not gonna totally cut the legs off of this team with how hard they've worked and move pieces out. Even though this is the exact time that you should probably be capitalizing on value. Like I, I've said, and I've been really consistent in this message. The this season is nightmare fuel. It really is for the flyers. And I think the longer this goes on, the more they're kind of backed into a corner of, Hey, we, we can't really go out and try and execute our plan. The one thing that's changing though is, and in a, in a positive way, which they really needed, the marketplace is responding again, the marketplace. They, they really needed to find a way to bring their fans back into, into the team to, to make them relevant again, to, uh, create some serious goodwill in the community that had been missing for much of the last eight to 10 years. That part has helped, but let's see what they do next. I think everyone's kind of waiting because there is a huge subsection of this fan base that's sitting back going, okay, it's, it's amazing that they've played their ass off this year. And clearly John Tortorella is a great coach, but who's going to be left from this team to cheer for when they get to where they want to get to. And that part has been the tougher question to answer. Yeah, no, it's fair. And, you know, you look at, like, I look at the Devils, and the reason why I still think New Jersey gets in, I think they're going to get in because of their offense. Timo Meyer has woken up, uh, you know, he was playing banged up. He's got four goals now in his last three games. You know, Jack Hughes is healthy. He was out for a while. I think the Devils' offense is good enough to overcome their defense. And I think that's why ultimately uh, they get in, but I'm with you. I don't have them as a contender, 
once the playoffs begin, to be honest, to, you know, to win, could they win a round? Sure. Can they win uh, two or three rounds? I'm very skeptical uh, because of their defense. And you, you mentioned their goaltending. Philadelphia, man, Carter Hart, in a, in a time where, you know, there's few teams that, that have consistent goaltending all the time. He's giving the, the Flyers that for sure. And that's, you know, that's a good sign. I don't, you know, they're, they're going to have to, I think, get in because of Carter Hart. But right? it's, it's actually they, been Sam Erson has been the guy. Yeah, he's played well, too. He's been driving the bus the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Their goaltending tandem is, and which, you know, I, I look at, I've seen some of their numbers, like their defensive system helps for sure. Like they don't hold, they don't hang their goalies out to dry, but their goalies make some big saves at key times in games. That's what's really helped them, right? It's, um, you know, you were, we were talking earlier about, you know, Colin Shock, the uh, Bakersfield Condors coach talked about, you know, it's not so much the the highlight reel saves. It's the goals that you, sh- that you, the saves you don't make that you should, that crush teams. And Philly hasn't really done that. We haven't seen a lot of goals where they're, you know, fans are like, what was that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like their goalies aren't giving you the weak goal. And I think that's been a key in Philly this year. Yeah. Sam Erson got the start in van, left the game with dehydration on Thursday night. But since November 10th, Sam Erson is eight, one and one with a nine twenty eight save percentage. Yeah. The, the unexpected Frank, like you talked about, like how, what do you do as an organization? Right. Like, you what would you do? Well, I, I wouldn't trade. Well, I don't know why. I think you need two goalies if you want to be successful long-term. So why would I trade one? No, I, I just mean overall who, like, what would you do if you're the flyers? Yes. Um, it's a good question. I, I think at the deadline, if, if you can add a player, for like a fourth rounder, which we've seen all the time. And it sends the message to your players that, Hey, you know what guys, we believe in you. I think there's some power in that. Um, I'm not, I'm not going out and giving up a first or anything ludicrous. If I'm the flyers, I don't expect them to do anything like that, but you know what you can, you know, giving up a fourth round pick. If you get a player, it just, it sends a message like, Hey, we believe in you guys. Cause to trade them off like now, unless something changes and we still have over two full months, right? The trade deadline is until March 8th. So there's lots of time between now and then. And if all of a sudden they find themselves in ninth or 10th place on March 1st, and they got a week leading up to the deadline, well, you know, then I change, but right now I probably, I wouldn't be leading the charge to make an acquisition yet. If I'm in Philly, I wouldn't be making an early January trade. Well, to, to add, but I'm saying subtract. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I think that's a tough message to send to your team. When you have guys playing really well, it's like, well, sorry, we don't believe in you. Like that's a tough one. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you wait until the summer to have that conversation, but like Travis Konechny is the guy that really comes to mind for me. He's had an unreal year, clearly a guy that is driving the bus for this team. And by the way, Sean Couturier coming back has been a huge part of why they've gotten to this point. But Konechny, like, is his value ever going to be higher? And then you need you'd need to re-sign him and pay him. I mean, to me, if he were available, he'd be the crown jewel chip of this deadline. Yeah, well, you get him for two playoff runs, right? That's all. The question uh... the question would be, how different is his value at this deadline versus the summer? And then the messaging is obviously different for your team. Yeah, like, like obviously last year he was a point of game player for the first time in his career, 
right? 61 in, in 60 games had 31 goals. And so his production's almost the same, slightly under this year at 28 and 34. So, you know, people might look and say, Hey, this guy's a 75 to 80 point player now. And well, it's not, it's not only that he's just, he's, he's an absolute pain in the ass to play against. He's, he's basically, he's Brad Marchand from a few years ago. He's a, he's a rat. And I say that in the best way possible. Yeah, he's he's the style of player that there's not a lot of in the NHL. Especially now. Why do you think the Leafs were so horned up to get Tyler Bertuzzi this summer? Yeah. Guys who just they're they're around the puck, they're always around the net. You know, the, uh, to quote some coaches, they play inside guys, right? Like they're always in the fray, and there's not a lot of them, so they stand out. And but if if you're the Flyers and you feel like your team is is good, is only 26. Like, but so where, when you get to, this is, this is the ultimate question that really matters. When you get to where you want to get to, you have Meechkoff coming over at, in 2026, Konechny will be knocking on the door of 30. And at that point will be two years into a longer term deal that will pay him significantly more. You're, you're buying the worst years of Travis Konechny. Potentially you're buying like ages 30 to 35 or 20, 28 to 36. Like uh, for a team that's only just supposedly then at that point going to be starting on the upswing. My thought would be to cash in while his value is as good as it's ever going to be possible. I, I think the NHL that's where GMs just have to, to, to re re change or not rechange, but change their focus. I signed Travis Konecki to a four-year contract. I don't worry about it. I think players today, um, 32 for lots of guys isn't that old anymore. Why would Travis Konecki want to sign a four-year deal? That's the problem. It's a two-way thing. But because if all if lots of teams realize that it's idiotic to to have the last three years of deals crushing you all the time, just stop doing it. Unless you're an elite player. No offense, Konecki is not an elite player. Like look at look at Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. All the other players in the league who are top end players. And I'd say, and, and if you're like a, a proven guaranteed 75 point player, you should be looking and saying, okay, this guy's doing it. And and team should look and say, Hey, this is what the, the new norm is. Now, if you want to sign eight year deals out of entry level deals, totally different, right? Because you know, you, you got a much better runway, but I look at it and, and look how many contracts year after year. It's great for the players. Don't get me wrong. I get why the players do it. I'm talking from a management side of things. They need to collectively wake up and be like, you know what? You pay a guy for, and if you have to pay Konechny, let's say, you know, on a long-term deal, he gets seven and a half. Well, then maybe on a four-year deal, he gets eight and a half. So what? I'm still not in cap hell when the contract's over. And the odds of him, you know, falling off a cliff are just much lower because it's only a four-year deal. And he still is going to get a little bit more than he would on on an eight-year deal. That's insane. This is going to be the biggest deal of Travis Konechny's career. He needs eight years. The reason why teams have have done it is not because they like the term and security. They do it as a means of artificially suppressing the salary cap hit. Oh, I know why. They're only really interested in four to five years, and they know the last three are going to be painful, but they do it anyway because in the meantime, it suppresses the cap hit further down. Yeah. But well, it, to me, I would trade Konechny more so for young players, not picks, because picks. So now I get Meechkov, 
and he's coming in 26. The picks I'm getting in 25 and 26 aren't helping me for another four or five years anyway. So that doesn't help me at all. Okay. So now I understand what you're saying, but this is, this is, and I agree with you because I was just about to say that the tough part about moving Konechny is you're going to chase your tail for the next few years, trying to find the next Konechny. The problem is no one wants to trade you young players because if they have them, they're like, Oh, well I'll just reap the benefit then of having young players on ELCs that I don't want. Like I'd rather just give you picks. I'd rather kick the ball further down the line than give yeah. you players that are ready to play. Uh, well, I just think that to me, it's going to become a collective where if the shorter term deal becomes the norm, and I still believe eventually that the, the NHL players, especially the elite ones are going to realize it's actually better for them to do it. I only, I think the, ex- the exception is the guys like Matthews. Yeah, the but- exception are guys that are in that star to superstar category that are going to yeah. get paid again and again and again, and it's going to be big tickets every time. And that's how like, it should be. This is the only. This is potentially the only kick at the can that Konechny has. Like, not to say that he's not doing well at five and a half million bucks a year, but yeah. this is you know the next one is the life changer. Can be, and but it, to me, it just comes down then to. To, to prudent spending. If, and if I've like, like I look at Connor McDavid's next contract, Frank, and obviously I get why the Edmonton owners would want to sign him to an eight year deal. But if he says I'll sign for four, they're not going to say, well, we're going to trade you. Of course, they're going to sign him for four years. And then you make sure you're competitive enough that he'll resign again after four years. But that, but, I, but what you just said highlights exactly what I was saying. You need both sides to play ball. So, if McDavid wants four, of course the Oilers are going to say yes. But if Konechny wants eight, what are the Flyers going to do then? If they go to him and say, we want to give you four, what's his incentive to take that? He's like, oh, no, I'll just go to open market. Yeah, fair. Well, I guess maybe that's a decision you'd make in the summer. I wouldn't make it to the deadline. Yeah, all I'm saying is it's coming. The question is coming. The The decision is coming. The, the conversation is coming. And I, I think... If I were sitting in that front office today, I'd be really wrestling with how I feel about everything that's happened this year. It's great that you're building this culture. It's great that you're developing a winning attitude. It's just that in the meantime, it's actually getting in your way of really getting where you want to get to. And Philly's not the only one in that boat. If you look out West, um, Calgary, you look and Calgary's right in it because it got all these UFAs this season, right? And and they're still not a team that's that I think is is comfortably in any sort of position at all. If you're the Flames, what are they? Uh, you know, the the orders are now ahead of them because of points percentage. The Flames are under 500, Frank. They've only won 14 of 35 games. I actually think it's an easy decision. I, I was just gonna say this is an easy decision for me. What you're not winning Seattle? with these guys. What's the yeah. incentive to keep them? No, I agree with you. Seattle and St. Louis to me are the interesting teams and like Seattle's on a little bit of a heater here, but they're still, you know, below 500. They've only won 13 of 36 games, Frank, the crack, right? They're, they're, you know, they've got nine overtime losses, um, which of course is the, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the most in the national, no, tied with the Islanders for the most in the national hockey league. And um, like, I look at Seattle and what they're going to do and what St. Louis is going to do. Those are, to me, the two interesting teams in the West. St. Louis is ready to rumble, man. They're ready to trade. They're ready to make things happen. Um, I think it was certainly certainly on everyone's radar the other day that um, 
Chris McFarlane, the GM of the Colorado Avalanche, was at the Blues Stars game the other night coming out of the holiday break. Uh, we know the St. Louis Blues are in trade posture because more or less, um, Doug Armstrong has let everyone know that he's he's willing to do something, and they were making calls right around the time they were making the coaching change. What would you think about Kevin Hayes in Colorado? Kevin Hayes has played really well the last few weeks. Yeah. And he's he's kind of found a comfort zone in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But if you had Kevin Hayes at 175 for two more years beyond this one in Colorado, meaning St. Oh. Louis retains half. <laughs> it's a steal. What Dude, would you, like, what would you what would you have to give up to get that? It's a good question, but man, if the, if you're able to do that and the Blues eat half for two years like like for the Blues to eat half on that for two years on a contract like that, it's not a lot, but still it's such a bargain. I think it's you know to retain salary, you got to pay way more, my opinion. Right. Because especially at that low of a value, like for a guy who's a who's a pretty good player, like all of a sudden, Kevin, lots of people think he's a, you know, he's to be a second line center. Right. And suddenly you're getting for one point seven five for two and a half years. Like, are you kidding me? It would be. He had 18 goals last year. He had uh, um, this year. What has he got? I think he's got nine goals already in 34 games. Like He's on pace for 20 goals. You get a 20 goal score. Never mind the fact he's a 40 point guy. For one point seven five, oh, but I'd be uh, like, it's a good question on what, like, what do the Blues want, right? Like, I guess they want picks, but you know, would you give up? I, I would probably give up a first if I was Colorado to get Hayes for two and a half years at one point seven five in a heartbeat. I, I think that's probably the neighborhood that he'd be in. Um, look at look at it from St. Louis perspective, though. They only gave up a sixth round pick to get Hayes. And yeah. the Flyers retained half because they were just dying to dump the contract. And and I think John Tortorella was dying to dump Kevin Hayes, if we're being honest. Yeah. So you look at it moving forward, St. Louis could have an unbelievable asset flip in just a few months' time if Kevin Hayes were to go. Yeah, because because the thing is, well, he becomes their most attractive asset, no question, because like who else do they have that, that isn't long-term? Marco Scandella. And I'm not sure how attractive he is, to, to be honest, right? Like they don't really have a lot of other pieces that you look and say, like Kasperi Kapanen, really? You know, like no. is, is is he moving the needle at all? I don't think so. So who he's else their do best, they have to- he's their best trade chip, I think, right now, unless they're willing to dive into some of the other pieces that like I I mean, so we know Colorado is looking for a center. This is just process of elimination. Like they're not trading Shen. Don't think they're trading Robert Thomas. Like Kevin Hayes has to be the guy, does he not? I would think so. He would make the most. And there's sense. no way that the Avs are helping out the or the Stars are helping out the Avs. Like there's there's only one reason why Chris McFarland was at the game in St. Louis. It was to watch yeah. the Blues. Yeah. All right. Like like you look that, and then you go to Seattle, and you know Eberle's on a 
an expiring contract uh, makes 5.5, you know, Alex Wenberg and, you know, like Wenberg's a center Frank, but he just doesn't, he doesn't move the needle for me at 4.5 mil. Cause even if you retain, that's still more for the rest of the season than you would have to pay Hayes. If you get him on half and Wenberg, now he started to play a little bit better lately, but he still only got 14 points in 36 games, right? Like he's never, he had the one year many moons ago when he had close to 60 points. But since then, I don't think he's been over 40. The Kraken on an absolute heater right now. 5-0-2 heading into their final game before the Winter Classic. They're on a PDO bender. Yeah, I know. It's not sustainable. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't, but what, I'm not what's a been, Okay, so I'm with you. Like, I'm not a believer in the Kraken. But what's been really fascinating to watch has been Joey Decord's ascension to their basically their number one goaltending position. Like it's no secret why the Kraken have had success for a team that sort of routinely was giving up somewhere between three and five goals a game. Their last seven games when they're five Oh and two goals against zero one, three, four, one, two, one. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty good recipe for success. Yeah. I, Joey uh, Decord, good numbers this year now, all of a sudden. Yeah. Hey, uh, what about Chris Dreger comes up and uh, on emergency loan? And what do you stop? 37 to 38? Right. Like, and you look at, at their goaltending position, like, oof, like Grubauer, 5.9 for three more years. Like, they, they do get out of Dreger's $3.5 million contract at the end of this season. Um, so that'll help them out. But like, they desperately need Joey Decord just because their other goaltenders, for, they're getting horrible value per dollar. Horrible. Hmm. I mean, the Kraken are making things interesting, though. Like, they've now passed the Flames. Uh, They've, you know, the Oilers have games in hand, but they've, at least points-wise, have passed the Oilers. Like, I I doubt, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. They're still sub-500, but they're at least making a little bit of a charge. Nah. Just color me skeptical, Frank. I'm I'm not a believer in the Kraken at all, so. Who would be the first guy you'd go after? Um, I think Jordan Everly has value. I just think his contract, well, you know, if they retain half, you know, he's a guy to me, uh, you know, I look at their, at their back end, um, the guys you'd like, they probably aren't willing to trade, right? That's, that's the challenge for them. Like, I think Jamie Alexiak, if they had any interest, which I don't think they do, that guy to have huge interest. Right. Um, so that's, you know, even Adam Larson, like Adam Larson has this year and next year. I think Adam Larson, that's the guy that I would at four million bucks, Frank. You know what? Even if Seattle doesn't retain anything, like that is a really good. You wouldn't good, need to retain anything on that. Yeah, that's a really good right shot defender. And if I look at Seattle, this might honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I look at Adam Larson and I look at where they're going as an organization. Like, are they going to be competitive next year? I don't, I don't like not not that I see as far as like a cup contending team. You're not going to get more value this year at the trade deadline for Adam Larson than ever because a team that acquires him gets him for two pl- two playoff runs, and then has a chance if they want to potentially resign him. Adam Larson, when you put out your trade bait board, Frank, that's a guy who, if I'm a team, right shot defensemen are like unicorns. There's not many of them around the league, and he's hard nosed. He plays tough. Like you know exactly what you're getting, and at four million bucks at a top four defenseman, right? And lots of times. You can easily play him in your top pair, easily with the, especially with a puck moving left shot defender. Like he would be number one on my trade board list. I think. 
Hmm. I'm not there yet. And I think the big question is how aggressive will the Kraken be? That part we don't have any real line of sight on is what is Ron Francis really thinking about his team? How far aggressive? Aggressive in in moving players. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I'm saying how aggressive will he? I don't know the answer. Like, what does he think about this team? How far away does he think they are? What pieces does he think they need? Like, I, I'm my, if I were just reading the tea leaves from afar, my thought process would be that for a team that got to the playoffs and, and won a round last year, almost two, I think they were probably thinking that this team not only would be a playoff team this year, but, would continue to grow. So either they didn't meet expectations or they have to recalibrate what those expectations are. And I don't know which way they're going to go. To me, they got to recalibrate that. Like last year was the perfect storm for the crack and Frank. It was a perfect storm. They, they had so many guys have career years at the same time. And we know that's not repeatable. It just isn't. And I, uh, um, and they did it despite, you know, a sub 900 save percentage. So, you know, the odds of, of that happening again, I just think are very low. So honestly, if it's me and it's a tough decision, but I would, uh, I'd move on from Larson because I think it gives you some really good pieces and you're still, you know, like you're three years in the league expansion team You're I know last year was great and everything. And I understand the competitive nature of teams, but sometimes you got to step back and be realistic. Like Seattle isn't close to having the pieces necessary to go deep in the playoffs. Right. First round upsets are one thing, you know, going deep in the playoffs or another thing. And they they got to compile picks. They got to try to get more picks because they need more top high end offensive guys. They just they're they're so far away from it as offense continues to grow in the NHL. They're not even close. But maybe since they have those guys on defense under contract that they have figured out that part of it, at least if they could get some better goaltending and then, you know, find some higher end offensive pieces, which are incredibly hard to do. Maybe the don't touch the defense. Like maybe again, maybe you go around chasing your tail. If you trade away a Larson. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair question. Cause right? you have him under contract at a good value and it's for another year and you've got other pieces under contract. Like why go about decimating that? That would be my question. Well, I guess to me, like, look at the Flyers and look at the Kraken. How, how are they that different in your eyes? Well, I don't, I, I don't think like they if, are. If you, want, I, if you think the Flyers should trade Konechny, why shouldn't Seattle trade Larson? What's the difference? Well, one has gotten to the playoffs and won a round recently, last year. Yeah, but if we're looking at value of the player for where you think your team is at moving forward, like, do you think Seattle's a team that's going to be next year a playoff team based on their current. Well, I, I think they're thinking they can be. That's the difference. Is I, it's it's purely about the mentality of the front office, and and I have a decent line of sight or understand at least what the Flyers are thinking. I don't really know what the Kraken are thinking, so I can't answer properly. But my guess would be for a team that recently won around that they think they're closer to competing than not. They're on yeah. the upswing, not the down. Maybe, Mike. I That's how they view it on the upswing for sure. Yeah. 
I'd say this. I, I think if Seattle feels they're close, I think they need to have a reevaluation because I don't feel they're close. They're, tell me why they're close. They don't have an offensive got, catalyst, right? And they're getting older every year. Like, Everyone who's are young is. guys coming in? Like, they, hey, Shane Wright's having a good AHL season this year, but, you know, what's that going to translate into the NHL? You know, Matty Beneers is, is, you know, a half a point a game player right now with 18 and 36. And I like Matty Beneers, but, you know, rookie of the year is a great award. But it's, you know, rookie of the year doesn't mean you're suddenly now a driver of a line, right? So they just, they don't have a lot of offensive players. And I think that to me is their challenge. And I would go out and, I, you know, you mentioned try to improve their goaltending. Like they got Joey Decor. That's the best way they're going to do it. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a better option as a free agent on the market, especially when you, you're paying your supposed starter 5.9 mil, right? And he can't get you to a 900 save percentage. Right. Well, Jagger Fergus is on the way. It's still kind of crazy to me that he didn't make Team Canada, but. Yeah. Wow. So he's on the way, but how good is he going to be? You know what I mean? So like, I think Seattle, like Adam Larson, I know. And Adam Larson is one of the most upstanding guys you're ever going to meet. So I get why they wouldn't want to move him. But I'm telling you, his trade value right now will be the highest it's ever going to be between now and March 8th. Fair. Yeah. So. And I'm just, I'm not a believer in the crack and see, I didn't have them make the playoffs this year. I just what, offense, not you, you have to play defense when it matters in the playoffs, but I think to get to the playoffs for the most part, unless you've got Elias Sorokin, you, uh, you gotta, uh, um, for the most part, you gotta be a pretty good offensive team and you have to have a mm-hmm. few guys that can, that on a given night can, can kind of scare you. And that's what McCann did last year, Frank, right? He had 40 goals. Like he was a, he was a good time sniper, but mm-hmm. And that was more of a career year than sustainable. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk. Let's do it. Or making me wait. I was chomping at the bit to get in on the pod today. Um, Merry Christmas to both of you. Hope you had a nice week. And we're about to get ready for New Year's. Almost 2024, which brings up the great question from Seinfeld. When is it too late into the new year to say Happy New Year. Where's that cut line? Six days, seven days max. Ooh, that's if you're short. starting emails with Happy New Year after a week, just shoot yourself. <laughs> to me, I, I, uh, it falls on a Monday. Yeah, I, I maybe the Friday is the latest for me. I'm thinking like a four-day or anything after the fifth is a little odd. Fair enough. All right. Like, I don't know. Like, do you wish Merry Christmas after the 30th? No, I think after the 30th, you're definitely. Done. Oh, he's calling you out. He's saying, no, no. today's the 29th. <laughs> yeah. He's saying, Hey, how come you wish us Merry Christmas starting this segment? Yeah. No, no. I, think, I think you're good until like the 31st. And then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, no. it's happy okay. new year from the 31st on. Once, once you get to the 27th, like, okay. Eh. then it's like, did you have a good Christmas? Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Did you have? Hope your Christmas was good. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess yeah, I won't be getting a merry Ukrainian Christmas from either of you on January sixth, but whatever. Um, all right, with uh, New Year's. Well, isn't up, it the seventh? Yeah, the sixth is Christmas Eve. You're right. The seventh is actually Christmas Day. That's a good so. One. If you give me some pierogies, I will wish you merry Ukrainian <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, I'll FedEx. Do you celebrate Ukrainian Christmas? I've said this on my show the other day. I want to be invited to like an authentic Ukrainian Christmas celebration just once because I hear it's unreal, and I'm a big foodie. So 
Yeah, that's, my- that's my goal in life is to somehow weasel my way into like an authentic, you know, where there's babas and they're making all the Ukrainian food. Like, yeah, sign me up. Dude, I would fly to Edmonton just for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm my, my I mean, I'm a huge per- like you could you could have an entire dinner out of just pierogies. Oh, well, what, like, what, do you have what? like a go to Tyler? Well, that's pretty much what you do, right? It's so, like my my mom's side and my dad's side back in the day and we did it. We do it like traditionally. So like it's the 12 meatless dishes on Christmas Eve because you can't have meat until midnight or whatever, right? You can't have meat leading up to Christmas. So yeah, it's it's a full course meal of like pierogies, nalesnika, nachinka, like all 12 of those traditional Ukrainian things. It's good. It's legit. Maybe I'll shoot you guys oh, the address. That's that's bullshit. You got it. Uh, come on. You need a Philly cheesesteak pierogi Ooh. heading into that's blast. Dude, what what come on, tell me why that wouldn't work. How about a buffalo chicken pierogi? No, Frank, because when they're good and homemade from your baba, you don't need all you need yeah. is a little mushroom sauce on there and you're good. 100%. Mushroom sauce? Ooh, what oh, is yeah. that? Oh, buddy. It's so like good. mushroom soup. Moment. You've never had authentic pierogies, have you, Frankie? No, I've only had like the you know, yeah, like the store bought one. What is it? I don't even know what they're Chima, called, but yeah. maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll save you a bag when you come up in uh, in January, Frank, and and you can try them out. All right, there you go. Okay, uh, it is New Year's coming up, so we're gonna use this edition of fill in the blank to talk, do a little year in review. As always, it is brought to you by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get twenty five percent off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more. All they need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Nation twenty five. Maybe you're throwing a big New Year's party. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to cook less. DoorDash can help you out with all of that. All right, first one I got for you guys. The most surprising thing we saw in the NHL in 2023 is blank. Jason? Aiden Hill becoming the go-to Stanley Cup winning goaltender. I don't think uh, anybody had it. You know, he'd been in Arizona. He'd been in San Jose uh, in his first, whatever, five parts of five seasons he had like a 908 save percentage it bounced around yeah no one he was kind of like a a nothing talked about move when he went to vegas and all of a sudden an injury occurs and aiden hill is playing like 930 in the stanley cup and winning to me that was the uh that's the biggest surprise that's a good one frank I cannot believe this wasn't more talked about and even leading into his return game before his team was slacked in Toronto, but the biggest story of 2023 that got hardly any coverage considering what actually went down is Kyle Dubas getting fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fact that he, the biggest franchise in the sport, he was in there trying to strong arm the president and ha- essentially ha- have the Toronto Maple Leafs choose between Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan and then was thrown out on his keister and the fact that only part of it was like it was like a three day story, and that was it. Like the drama that was part of that, and and I know that they, I'm not trying to dig it up again, but the fact that they moved on so quickly and hired Brad Tree Living, like, and he moved on to Pittsburgh, it kind of settled everything down. But the fact that the biggest franchise in the sport had such a material change, and it was not even really considered among the 10 biggest hockey stories of 2023 
it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that it wasn't more talked about for the return of like, do you understand exactly what this guy tried to pull in the meantime that just was like shut down? Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't. It has to be one of the biggest stories of the year. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think of like when it happened as well. Was it at a weird point in the calendar? But it wasn't like we were firmly in off season mode. Like there was all the talk about what they would have to do with the draft and whatnot. So yeah, you're right. That's uh, it was surprising that it's not getting mentioned a little bit more. Uh, next one. Well, there's, I lots, got- there's lots of people in Toronto though, guys that were huge supporters of Dubas in the media who felt like he could do no wrong. And I think a lot of them didn't want to be like, oh, maybe I was a little mistaken and overzealous in my evaluation of his job. Uh, That's a great point and probably a big reason why he slides into Pittsburgh like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Next one I got for you guys. The biggest feel good story of 2023 is blank, Frank. Man, I had a really hard time with this one. Not to sound like the Grinch, because we did that last episode, Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of really shitty things that happened in the NHL this year. Chris Snow passing away, Ivan Provorov not wearing the Pride jersey. Uh, I mean, just, just think about all the weird stuff that happened. I'm gonna say, and this is this is also a funny way to approach this because they've been one of the least, they've been one of the least liked teams in the league. In fact, most fan bases hate this team, but I'm going to say the feel good story for me, having been there standing right in front of him when he made the proclamation was Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas golden Knights having his, Stanley Cup within six years. Dream come true. Yeah. He said it and we literally laughed. Like we were like, what? And he did his team went out and did it. And if you go to the Vegas Golden Knights practice facility, there's like multiple Western Conference champion banners hanging next to a Stanley Cup banner. It's they haven't been around that long and they've achieved an unparalleled amount of success. Oh yeah. It's a good one. It's, you know, yeah, it's hard to, you know, I was looking at, uh, at feel good stories and um, you know, you look at guys who make comebacks. I'm going to try to avoid any comeback stories. Cause you know, if you pick one and it's like, well, I just pick the other guy. So um, I'm going to go completely as, and I don't even know if it's feel good because some would say it was probably expected. But um, when a player scores 150 points and it has, it's only happened like eight times in NHL history, to me, like feel good doesn't always have to be, oh, somebody overcomes an illness or anything. Like I get that, but you know, it's feel good to see somebody do something that we just don't see very often, right? Like some people thought, Hey, 130 points two years ago. Like if you got 130, that would be great. Right. And look at it this year, McDavid's not going to get 150. No one else going to probably come close to 150, yeah. maybe 130 again. And who knows if maybe he'll ever hit 150 again. But to me, it's sometimes we, we undervalue the ridiculousness of certain seasons and 150 points, man is 150 points. I don't care how it happened. I don't care how many points are on the power play. Everybody gets power plays. 
So I'm going to go with 150 point season because when are we going to see one again? Right. Like it took from 96 till, uh, till 2023 to have one. So hopefully it's not that long again, but so I've been saying for a while that we've underappreciated the magic of McDavid, like on a night to night basis. But I, I think I've come up with a, a reason why people feel that way. The reason why 150 points doesn't feel better is probably just because it feels like it's almost robotic. The nature of his personality and how it all comes together, it feels systematic, robotic, whatever word you want to choose, that I think people have a hard time connecting with that level of excellence, if that makes any sense. I could see that. Well, especially because it's like, you know, the one fan base in Edmonton loves it, but the other fan base is like, well, you know, he's lighting up my team. I don't like it. So I get it. Right. It's like if Matthew scores 70 goals this year, it should be a big deal. And not, and I know that lots of people hate the Leafs. Well, there's that thing about, you know, one of the most hated fan bases and they're one of the biggest fan bases. I get it. But still I do. I, I think it's, we have a, we have a tough time with, with greatness for whatever reason. And, and the minute someone is great for a bit, it's like, ah, geez, I don't know. Then they try, well, you know, they do. I don't he like does it again and again. And then it's like, well, we can't give him a seventh heart trophy. And it's yeah. like, why not? Yes. Like it's spoke, like, why not? If it's that good and that dominant. So I'm going with 153. Cause who knows? Like, I hope we see it again, but history will tell us it's, it's not a guarantee. Like, you know what? There's only two guys have ever done it back to back years. So, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And finally, with the last one for you guys, we are going to look ahead for a little bit. Your question is one storyline you're excited to see play out in 2024 is blank. Go ahead, Frank. So I'm going to go in a bit of a different approach here. And what I'm going to say is I don't think. And so sorry for raining on anyone's parade. I don't think this trade deadline is particularly sexy right now at least the way that it's shaping up. And I know everyone's fascinated about William Nylander and what happens in free agency this summer, but I'm not going to say that either. And it's not the Pedersen contract as, as juicy as that might be because I don't have any indication that he wants out. I think he's just taking his time and the Canucks are sorting through this. So what I'm going to say is I think there's a large correction coming on the goalie market. I think the LA Kings and potentially whatever happens with the Toronto Maple Leafs coming down the stretch here, if they move Ilya Samsonov, that you could see teams spending less on goaltending than ever before, mostly because of the uh, incalculable nature of it, meaning you could get nearly the same from someone at a million bucks as you could at five. But it's not just that. I think there's an internal push and pull right now in the goaltending community between the modern goalies and the older type style. And so what I think you're seeing in terms of success this season, is not really any secret like Joe wall, Joel Hofer in St. Louis, who's been excellent and is coming into his own. And we just talked about Joey Decord it's a changing of the guard in terms of style. And I think the guys that are playing the older style are getting phased out. Jack Campbell, you're on your way out. Um, I, I think it's, it's 
two parts of the goaltending game are changing. And, and we've been saying for a while, why are we having 150, 140, 130 point seasons? It's because the shooters are so far ahead of the goalies right now that there's bound to be a correction. And the goalies, either through technique or equipment or coaching, are going to find a way to get back to the dominance that they used to have. I'm not sold that they'll completely get there, but I do think that shift is going to occur. And I think that in the meantime, until they figure it out, until everyone can adjust to what's the new normal and what goalies should be making relative to that, that to me is the big fascinating storyline to watch in 2024. Interesting. Jay, I don't, uh, I don't mind that. Um, I uh, the thing I thought you would I say, agree. "Gee, Frank, thank you for putting so much thought into a question." Oh, you oh, did. I was. I, I didn't see that one coming. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I'm looking at the the thing that I'm most looking forward to is the playoff race. I think we're we're gonna have like legit playoff races for lots of different positions, which which we haven't had in a while. There's no team running away like last year. You know, Boston was so far ahead. Everybody knew. There, like the, the the eight teams in the East were decided at this time last year, guys. Like it was pretty much a a foregone conclusion what was happening. Like you look at at the playoff races, like there's no clear cut winner in the in the Atlantic or the Metro. The Rangers have a seven point lead, so that's the biggest of any division right now. But I look at the the look at the Pacific, Vancouver and L.A. and and Vegas, and then the wild card races in both divisions. Like you, Frank talked about the trade deadline and that it might be quiet. I really wonder if it, it might be one that's very late because teams like, well, geez, are we in it? Are we not in it? What's going to happen? Like, are we going to see a Matias Ekholm come on the market that nobody was talking about until suddenly popped up because you got a team that's like, hey, maybe we're going to move. So I'm actually the playoff race this year. And then the playoff guys, like I'm telling you right now, like, could you name today? It's like, oh, I am very confident that these three teams or four teams are getting to the conference final. Like, I don't think there's there at all. I, 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 this is, I was thinking about this yesterday. I am oddly very confident that the New York Rangers are going to be representing the East in the Stanley Cup final. Okay. Very so confident. So you think they're locked? I, I, yeah. I, if I had a surplus flow of cash, I would be betting on New York Rangers Stanley Cup final series odds. Okay. All right. Any uh, any team in the West that you would put money on? That that's the hard part. I think it's a complete toss up between Vegas, Colorado, L.A., Edmonton, and Dallas. Yeah, five. Teams, I think man. they each have equal somewhere between seventeen and twenty percent shots. And and the Winnipeg Jets and Connor Hellebuck, the way they're playing, like yeah, and I shouldn't even count them out. There's no reason yeah, to count them out. Exactly. So I just don't know. think they have the. Me personally, unless they can, and really you didn't get include it. Vancouver either. Well, I I think they're still missing a couple pieces, but okay. I think they could enter the conversation. Oh yeah, like I just I to me the playoff race this year, and when I say playoff race, I'm talking like from, you know, it's almost starting in January really for the wild card, but really when it gets into to February, we come out of the All Star break. I think it's going to be two and a half months of just mayhem, which would be, and then then you get into two and a half more months of the playoffs. I think from February until the end of uh, May into early June is going to be some of the most exciting uh, race and unpredictability we've seen in quite a few years. New York Rangers, Frank over on Botano, plus four fifty to come out of the Eastern Conference and make the Stanley Cup final. Is that uh, the best odds? Yeah, they're they're number one. The Leafs are number two. Bruins number three on that list. Uh, to wrap things up, guys, the NHL calendar, the 2024 NHL calendar, as always, gets started with 
the Winter Classic, which goes on January 1st. And our friends over at Botano, they have a nice little parlay cooked up on Botano.ca. Seattle Kraken money line and a couple player props in there. You're going to want to keep it locked on Botano.ca to find out what they're offering up for the Winter Classic. Always nice to sit down New Year's Day kick your feet up and watch a little outdoor hockey. The game starts now at Botano and they got you covered for the winter classic. And that is a wrap on this week's edition of fill in the blank. Tyler, before you go, oh. I want to know what you would think is the feel good story of the year. Cause that was the hardest one that I had to answer. There were a couple. I, to be fair, I cheated a little bit on this the other day and I threw out a tweet and I was like, what do the people think is the number one feel good story? Obviously, I have a lot of uh, Oilers followers. So a lot of people said James Hamblin scoring his first career NHL goal and pointing up for his mom who passed away a couple of years ago. A lot of people said Ivan Miroshnichenko out in Washington, who battled cancer at the age of 18, worked his way back to the or worked his way into the NHL and got to make his NHL debut alongside his childhood hero and Alexander Ovechkin. So those were a couple of the feel good stories that the people threw my way. I thought the Miroshnichenko one is, is just an awesome story as well. That's pretty good. I, I had a the second thing for me in 2024 to watch would be the Coyote saga. Oof. I I think they have until January 31st to present a clear crystal clear plan to the NHL. And if not, I I don't think there's any chance that that team plays there next season. Wow. There's really not many reasons why they should. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Well, that's where they're at. I think it's another story that hasn't been reported enough, mostly because every time you bring up the coyotes in their arena, everyone yawns. It's one of the stories I'm absolutely hoping we hear the last of in 2024. I hope it's absolutely done. Tyler, this has been going on since you were like eight years old. Like people had been flying back to back and forth to Phoenix for bankruptcy hearings and court cases in Glendale City Council. Like it's it's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal. Not Not ideal. ideal. All right. Happy New Year to you guys and the listeners. We'll chat again in 2024. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Frank, do you do anything special for New Year's Eve? Uh, no, this year we're going to have some friends over and they're going to bring their kids. So we'll have a little party and that'll be good for the kids. Do you, do they stay till midnight or do you have like a 10 o'clock celebration last year for the first time, my kids stayed up until midnight 
this whole holiday break, this has been one of the worst parts about the holiday break. If there is one, we've kind of like let them, you know, go free with a bed, a set bedtime. And they've been staying up till like 1231 o'clock. They've been sleeping super late. Like they've been sleeping till 11 a.m. But it's we got to get back on a schedule here. It's driving me a little crazy. That's you know, my son is not a not a real big night owl. So um, we do it at like 10 o'clock and he's fine with it. And then uh, away you go because he's really got him. I got him into the ODR. Um, the last uh-huh. week he's been spending like three and four hours at the ODR with his, with one of his teammates on his team. They live really close and they're out there and, you know, they've been working on give and goes and stuff and it actually worked in the game. So, which is even better now, but, um, nice. you do four hours on the ODR man, outdoor hockey rink for anybody of our, anybody who doesn't know the uh, vernacular, but, um, so we, uh, we always go skiing on uh, new year's day. So we have a ski that we go skiing in the, uh, uh just to the local hill. And uh, he wants to go skiing for about, we go four hours usually uh, before the hill gets too busy. And then he wants to go to the ODR. So I don't think he'll last till 10 even this year. So six, seven hours wow. of outdoor. It's perfect. So I love it. I'm not a, I was never a real New Year's. I used to joke when I was in my party days, all the rookies who don't go out all year go out on New Year's Eve. So uh, I rarely was a big New Year's Eve guy. So, um, you know what, we, my wife and I might watch a movie, but there's no chance I make it to midnight, like zero. Not a big New Year's guy. I will say, though, one of the best parties in all of the world happens in Philadelphia on New Year's Day. The Mummers Parade. Oh, yeah. You dress up. I've, I've shown you the pictures before. You dress up. You do the whole thing. The costume. It's, it's very similar to Mardi Gras. And it's just an all-day fest. Yeah, so you're not even going well. out on New Year's Eve. Like, no, I'm, like, so I'm that's sure that's the, the thing. The people that actually go out and go hard on New Year's Day, they're in bed by seven, eight o'clock because drinking yeah. starts at six a.m. on New Year's Day morning. <laughs> Got to spray uh, paint your shoes. Oh, and uh, and get excited. Get excited. I'm not I'm not participating, but at some point I will be back in the fray, and I can't oh. wait. Frank, uh, did you make it to Thursday on the Survivor Pool this week? Uh, no survivor pool this week, but it's back on oh, Monday. So new Monday. game, wow. new year, a new year, Frank, like your goal should be at least to make it to, to Tuesday every week. That should be your goal. Uh, I mean, it's, it is my goal every week because that's the nature of the survivor pool, but it's not, it's your I'm telling you, man, it's, it is not easy. Head on over to dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. Check it out. It's tough. Win free food from Wendy's, which is amazing. If you can get there, I just, I haven't gotten my hands on a burger yet and no burgers, no, uh, no, uh, uh, French toast sticks for Frankie. No, uh, no chicken strips, but uh, you can win all those and you can win five grand. There's, you know what? Get on a heater. All you need is to get on a heater here. You could be the St. Louis blues of the daily face-off survivor and just get on a heater starting in January and come back and win. It's wide open. This game started in November. You could create an account for the first time in late January and run the table for the five grand. Get yeah. in there if you haven't already. Yeah. All right, there you go. Go to dailyfaceoff.com and click on the uh, Wendy's uh, Survivor Pool. It's right in the top right corner. You can't miss it uh, on your laptop or on your phone. Uh, everybody out there listening, thanks for tuning into the pod all year long. We very much appreciate it. We hope you have a, a, had a great Christmas and holiday season and uh, all the best in uh, 2024. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next week. We'll be off on uh, New Year's Day, but uh, we'll be back with a pod next week. 
Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarah Volley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.